I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. All right, welcome back. Hour number two and the final one for another week. Let me just give you a little heads up on uh, what's still to come. Russ Smith will jump back in with me, by the way, here in a minute uh, from um, Sky Call Satellite. And we're going to be going road tripping with the boys, Mark Wade and Bob Grove. Uh, instead of their usual slot here in a few minutes, though, we've moved them into uh, the snow day segment because we're going to talk about having some winter fun in the Tusher Mountains here in Utah and look forward to that conversation. So after we uh, wrap up this first segment, looking forward to bringing Roger Eggett uh, on, as always, from Bear River Lodge and Tracks Power Sports, and we will uh, talk more about what's been going on up there. My guess is there's some new snow on the ground that's going to help get more snowmobiles out into uh, the wild there in the National Forest land that borders uh, the cabins at Bear River Lodge, so we'll look forward to that. We are uh, set to talk here with uh, Tanya uh, Kiefer Selby, who we haven't uh, talked to in a while here from the Division of Wildlife Resources, and talking about the uh, Christmas bird count. Great to catch up with you, Tanya. Thanks for your time this morning. Of course. I am so excited that winter is finally here. I mean, I don't know if anybody else is excited for the snow, but I am. Yeah, no, I am too, and every time I start to you know, uh, encourage more snow. I get frowns from those that don't ski, but just drive along the Wasatch Front. But uh, that's the uh, case every year. And it sounds like we've got another round coming on uh, Sunday, Monday. So good news. Hey, I thought we would enlist an expert here with the uh, bird count. So I turned to Sesame Street for this. Let's count the bats and find out. Ah, that's one. One bat. Two. Two bats. (laughs) Three. Three fabulous flyers. Uh, you uh, have uh, little ones around the house who oh probably know the count God. from Sesame Street. Gosh. Yes, what a wonderful way to break into the <laughs> Christmas bird count. You know what? I might have to steal that the morning of and play it just so that the people know how to count birds. One bed. Yeah, bed. <laughs> that's great stuff. This is the 123rd annual Audubon Christmas bird count. Is there something about the time of year, the reason this takes place yes. now? So this bird count has been going on, like you said, for 123 years. It is the longest-running citizen science database in the world. And so it's awesome that it always happens around the Christmas time. And reason being, Tim, they used to harvest birds for their feathers. If you recall, in the 1900s, all the ladies had all the fabulous hats with the feathers in them. And everyone would go out and have these big sporting events where they would shoot as many birds as possible. And then they decided, you know what, we probably should count these and not just kill them all. And so that's why this survey has essentially been going on for this long, and it always happens at the same time every year. And we're just lucky that we have a database of that many years to go back on. You know, it always occurs every year from December 14th to January 5th. 
Um, it happens in what we call a compiler circle. And so it's an established 15-mile diameter circle um, that volunteers go out, count all the total of birds in that given 15-mile circle, and then they report it back to their compiler or coach. And that coach turns it into the Audubon. And that data helps show the trends of our bird populations over the last 123 years. It is insane. All right, so I'll ask the obvious question, but I'm sure it's a dumb one. How do you make sure you're not counting the same bird five times? Well, hopefully you don't put the same person or a group of people in the same area so you're not counting them twice. And you're doing it all at the same time from an 8 a.m. or, you know, sunrise to sunset sort of time period. So you're only going out in one given day and hopefully not duplicating those efforts. And that's a great question. I mean, we don't want to double count the the circle, but that's why you do it in one established day. So a compiler will pick any day from December 14th to January 5th and decide, okay, December 17th is my day. That's the day that we'll count our 15-mile diameter circle and so on. And so if you're looking to get involved with it, Audubon's website, if you type in Christmas bird count, um, there's a map, and the map shows essentially these giant circles all over the United States, northern Canada, Alaska, Guam, um, so many countries involved in this incredible experience. And it's so awesome. We can't say enough. It's all volunteer-based. This is all volunteers all over the world. There are 2,500 count circles mm. worldwide and all volunteer-based. So it's really – we can't thank the volunteers enough for all that they do for this you know, incredible experience, but it's a really fun way to get out. I mean, you don't want cabin fever. You just said that people along the Wasatch Front, <laughs> if they don't ski, what are they going to do? Yeah. You might as well get out and just poke and count a few little, you know, a little brown birds. Like, we would love to know what you're looking at. So You mentioned that this helps determine trends. The trends have not been good, have they? No, bad, super bad. You know, over the last 50 years, we have saw... Are we, oh, my gosh, I swear I went to college, Tim. Um, we've seen over the last several, you know, a couple, you know, couple decades, we've noticed that there has been a three billion uh, bird decrease. Billion. And so there are over three billion, Tim, three billion. Yeah. So there are over 70 species of birds uh, that have lost half of their population. And so it's really interesting if you if you're kind of a data nerd, you can actually get on Audubon's website, and look at their um, the bird trends. And look and see, like, on a specific species of bird that you're looking at uh, or, or thinking about, maybe one that's iconic to your, you know, childhood, you can get on the website and see how their population has done over the last, you know, 50 to 70 years. And it's crazy because, you know, without this data, we wouldn't know these kind of things exist, like, it is such a crucial, important little indicator of how the environment is, you know, what's happening worldwide. And it's crazy to think that that many birds have been lost. And a lot of that is due to many things, you know, population increase, habitat loss. Um, and so we found that, you know, overall health can be reviewed with this kind of data. And then conservation efforts can be established by, you know, agencies like Divisional Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife Service, et cetera, BLM. And so without this community science or citizen science project, we would not know the information that we do know about these population trends. I noticed in the press release that Faith sent me that uh, one quote from you said you've been doing this since you were nine years old, not the count itself, but being a lover of birds. How important is it to, to be able to identify them, as you know, species by species? It is important, and you're right, Tim. This is my 24th year actually doing the Christmas bird count, but I've been doing this since I was nine. I feel like I've been very blessed in my life to be around um, very 
very experienced birders, but you don't have to be an expert to be involved in this specific event. Um, we pair you with, you know, maybe a more experienced or expert birder if you're a novice, or maybe this is your first bird count. I love taking out newbies. I love taking out my children, um, anybody that's interested in joining in these counts. Like, it's a really cool experience because we can pair somebody with you to teach you exactly what you're looking for. And yeah, maybe you don't think you're going to contribute the most, but maybe we're teaching you something and you're carrying on a legacy, you know, for years to come. So, you know, all expert levels are welcome in this experience. And again, are they doing this in their own backyards? Is Are there gathering no. places? Gathering places. So that's the important part of getting on to Audubon's website and going to the Join the Christmas Bird Count page. Um, you need to look for a map to see where there is a compiler, a circle near you. So there are cool bird things that you can do, like the great backyard bird count, that you can just sit in the comfort of your living room and watch the birds in your backyard from the feeders you put up. So that's another that's another citizen science project that I highly recommend. Just, you know, put it in your search engine and, and away you go. I hope that you give us lots of data. And it also helps contribute to these population trends. But for this one specifically, these are established protocol-driven circles um, that are all over the state of Utah. There's over 25 in the state of Utah alone. And so a lot along the Wasatch Front, a couple out here in the northeastern part of the state, you know, some down by the Moab area. So you want to make sure that you're contacting the compiler. That way they know you're coming, can pair you with an experienced birder if you're a novice, get you the locations they need you to cover so we're not double-counting those birds uh, and, you know, hopefully ensure that you're going to have a great time with your family and friends. If you're, say you're a group of five, you know, you've got some small ones that you want to take out and just kind of play in the snow, that compiler can give you a smaller area or location to go count for them. Um, you know, bring your binoculars, dress warm. Of course, it's winter time. Bring your bird book, and you want to get out there and count a total, but they'll give you all the paperwork that you need in order to make sure that we're getting the most accurate results for our count. All right, so that's only a week away coming up on uh, the 17th. Don't wait, though. You want to get on that website today. And if you want to, you know, brush up on your skills, just go to public broadcast and let the count from Sesame Street help you out. Yes, Sasha, where were you, my pet? (laughs) Counting bats in the background. Tanya, you're great. That's why you're worth waiting for. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, my dear. Yep, just make sure there's 25 counts throughout that entire time period from December 14th to January 5th. So mine is December 17th. Look on Eventbrite or DWR's website. But there are others almost every day of that entire time frame along the Wasatch Front. So look for one near you. Tanya, thanks so much. Thanks, Tim. That is uh, Tanya Kiefer Selby does such great work for us here in the state of Utah. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll be checking in with Roger Egan from Bear River Lodge. Uh, uh, uh. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. As I mentioned a minute ago, before we uh, jumped in with uh, Tanya to talk about the Christmas bird count, we'll have our road tripping segment coming up right after the news on the bottom of the hour. Uh, Mark and Bob wanted to talk about some of the winter activities going on in the Tusher Mountains, so we'll do that coming up in a minute. I want to use the time we have here, though, to get Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge and Tracks Power Sports in with me, who uh, sounds like is uh, recovering a bit from being out snowmobiling with <laughs> employees last week. You're not ready for the season, are you? I realize I'm out of shape, Tim. I got to get in shape. <laughs> well, you know, we took all our employees out on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we uh, had. Go ahead. Go. We had 23 of us out there on snow machines and defenders, three to four feet of snow, and I dug and dug and dug. Oh. So I realized this fat body's got to get in shape. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why he's always hesitant to take me out is because he knows he's going to have to get me out of trouble at some point. Um, sounds like you got some more snow this week. We did. We got two or three different storms this week, and each of them added to the total. And so we probably got two feet at the cabins, and we were really in three to four feet of snow on Tuesday. Wow. So there's some good snow up at Whitney and up on Elizabeth, so that get out it's time to get out that's fantastic uh let me just ask real quick because i got a text about this uh day before yesterday from a listener wondering about uh christmas tree permits i told them they're probably all gone so i promised to ask anyway you know what the forest service gave us an extra hundred tickets so we still have some we'll probably have some right up until christmas i guess because it has slowed down we did sell a whole bunch over thanksgiving but we still have probably 70, 80 tickets, and we probably sell a couple a day. But uh, So if someone wants to still get out, they can do it. Wow, that's great news. Uh, I was uh, shopping at one of the stores the other day, and they had a, a tree lot out in their parking lot. And I just did a little, you know, I'm not in the market for one, but I did a little uh, peek. And, man, the prices of those things, because of uh, supply and demand right now, over 100 bucks when you could go out and cut your own for a whole lot less. Yeah, $20 for a ticket. And it's and it's not only the price, it's the tradition and the memories. And get out there and cut down a tree. It is fun. We cut down two, one for the store and one for our home last weekend, and it was fun. Has this weather slowed your progress down on uh, finishing up the last cabin? No, it is done. We have our inspection on Tuesday. Uh, we are ready. Countertops went in. Appliances went in yesterday. The beds all went in. The fire, the last, the second fireplace went in yesterday. Um, we have our final inspection on Tuesday, and this is a family reunion cabin, and it it can sleep in the oh twenty to twenty five people, seven bedrooms, eight bathrooms. It's beautiful, and for families who want to get that booked, it is going to be spectacular. Let's make that message clear. Uh, not just family reunions, but corporate ret- retreats. Uh, you have had quite a few companies that have contacted you recently, and I would encourage it as sort of a team-building opportunity to come up, whether that's in the winter to snowmobile or in the summer to play in the outdoors with an ATV or a side-by-side. Right. You know, we have we just built two seven-bedroom cabins. One we designated the corporate retreat cabin, the other one the family reunion cabin. But obviously you can use them for whatever, but... 
what a great opportunity to get people together and get out and build teams. We did it ourselves, 20-something people on Tuesday, snowmobiling. And, and you know what? I was really happy to see the interaction of the staff. It, it was just a fun day to all of us get out there, be together, laugh, get stuck, get unstuck, just be together and build those teams. So people need to do that. You started this whole process uh, back when you purchased uh, the cabins at Bear River Lodge, which was then just how many cabins so many years ago? None. None. <laughs> they, had, they had three tiny little cabins that weren't done. Well, it's... And now we have 18 of them. So. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, the growth has been amazing. But your reason for doing it was to create some of the same memories for people that you don't even know uh, that would mirror some of the ones you had with your own children. And I'm sure that's one of the most gratifying things for you is now to see the corporate uh, gatherings that happen because you see relationships being built. But you've told me on the air before that you see second and even third generations of families that are coming back to the cabins. Yeah, you know, this is my 26th year at Bear River Lodge, and we have built 18 cabins. So I, I've developed lots and lots of friendships like ours, Tim. You know, you are one of my dearest friends, and thank you. And that's what it's about is just creating those memories. And I have fun memories with you and your family, and I'll never forget the tubing hill and the Kendall getting stuck. All those memories, they're fun. <laughs> yep, and uh, as we head into the Christmas season, of course, uh, all those memories come flooding back. Matter of fact, my daughter became engaged uh, on a snowmobile up there at uh, in the beautiful National Forest area just outside of the cabins, which is the other thing we need to mention. All of this fun is available right outside the front door when you rent a cabin for a night or for a weekend, which I would encourage the latter. But even if you don't have, I mean, we're guessing a lot of people don't have machines. Even if you don't have the boots, the uh, snowmobile suits, the helmets, the gloves, you've got all of that for them. Yes, whatever you need, we've got it. We've, we're running over 60 winter machines this year, snowmobiles, side-by-side, snow bikes. We have all the helmets, suits, boots, gloves, whatever you need. Just come come enjoy the outdoors. Create some memories with your loved ones. Our cabins sleep from 2 to 25 people, so whatever your size will accommodate you. And by the way, uh, you mentioned briefly the uh, snow bikes. They are a ton of fun. If you like to ride dirt bikes in the uh, summertime, you're going to love this experience on the snow. My boys absolutely loved it. Tell them how to get a hold of you online. Best place, go to BearRiverLodge.com, check us out, and come up and visit us. And if you're interested in looking into uh, cabin ownership, deedable cabin ownership for generations to come, they can always give you a call, too, right? Right. Get on the website. There's a whole section on shared cabin ownership. Thank you, sir. Uh, I know we're going to talk again before the holidays, but just as you're thankful for my friendship, my family is uh, really thankful for you and your family. Thanks so much. Take care, Tim. Thank you for all you do. Have a good weekend and uh, stay with us. We'll come back, get a news update next, and then on the other side, we'll go to the Tusher Mountains and talk about winter fun opportunities there as we do some more road tripping this week with uh, Bob Grove and Mark Wade next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.